You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, March 14th. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today begins the legal tampering period in the NFL when teams can uh, officially begin negotiating with potential free agents, guys who uh, should be able to sign or will be able to sign with new teams as of Wednesday afternoon. Of course, between now and Wednesday, we will know a lot of... uh, of what is actually going to take place, what the reported signings are going to be. Your New York Giants are not expected to be major players in the first wave of free agency. GM Joe Shane has said that they're going to have to be very calculated in what they do in free agency. The Giants did manage to get under the salary cap on Friday when Blake Martinez Linebacker took a pay cut. That was a day after wide receiver Sterling Shepard had also taken a pay cut. We don't know exactly how much the Giants saved with those two moves. Not sure exactly how much the Giants are under the cap at this point. Roughly, probably somewhere from seven to nine million dollars under the cap. Obviously, that is not a lot of room to uh, to do a whole lot in free agency. Still a couple of big moves that the Giants could and might make to clear some salary cap space. There still is an expectation that the Giants will trade cornerback James Bradbury, who has a salary cap hit of more than $21 million. The Giants could save more than $12 million of that by trading him now. Could save $13.5 million if they were to wait and do something with him after June 1st problem with that is then they would not have that money to spend that money to operate with right now Giants obviously aren't going to be you know big players in free agency they're not looking to make any big splashy big money signings but they do have needs they do have holes to fill Joe Shane would like to sign a series of, of veteran players to low cost prove-it type contracts, short-term contracts, guys who could fill holes on the roster for the Giants immediately. So we'll we'll see what the Giants do, but I still do have an expectation that something has to happen with Bradbury, and I think sooner rather than later. The other option that the Giants have, the other thing they could do, of course, is to trade Saquon Barkley. Spoke to former Jets GM former Miami Dolphins executive Mike Tannenbaum the other day. Tannenbaum made an impassioned plea for uh, the fact that the Giants should keep Saquon Barkley. 
you know that I have been on the uh, on the side of the Giants moving on from Saquon. I think that that is the the best long term thing for the Giants to do. And and let's be realistic: if the Giants trade Saquon Barkley this off season, he could well make them look bad in the short term. That you know, if he has a really good 2022 season, even if he has a really good 2023 season, he could make the Giants look silly for for trading him for a mid round pick or something like that in the short term. As I continue to look at this, though, the the long-term situation for the Giants, the long-term path, the long-term issue is that they just cannot give him a big money second contract. So you either get something for him now, or you probably end up watching him walk out your door for nothing a year or so from now. So I, I don't see, you know, I understand the logic of, of helping Daniel Jones, of, of the fact that you're a better football team with Saquon in the short term. I get all of that. I still believe the long-term play for the Giants is to move on from Saquon Barkley, but we'll see what happens there. I know that Dan Graziano of ESPN said over the weekend that he believes that the Giants still do want to move on from Saquon and he believes Barkley will not be part of the Giants in 2022. That is really one of the more interesting things about the Giants offseason. So we will uh, we'll monitor that. We'll have all the news, all the opinion, all the analysis for you at Big Blue View. Giants fans, what I want to do right now is play for you an interview that I did with athletic NFL writer Sheila Kapadia, as he and I talked about free agency. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Sheil Kapadia, NFL writer for The Athletic. Sheil, it's been a while. Thank you uh, very, very much for, for hopping on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, this, is our, this is our Monday show here on the Valentine's Views podcast. And, and that means really that uh, it's the kickoff of, of free agency. Theoretically, nobody can sign for a couple more days, but but by uh, by the 16th, we'll pretty much know where all the big names are going. It's it's just kind of a strange way that that NFL free agency works. 
Yeah, I don't know why they do it this way, but you're right. You know, it's uh, the official start is Wednesday. And by Wednesday, we already know where everyone's going because they've agreed to terms in the previous 48 hours. And, you know, we, we can be honest, teams and agents are already uh, talking now. So some might already know where they're uh, going, even if they don't uh, disclose that or those don't get reported. Well, sure. They've been talking since the combine, if not before, at least in uh in general terms of, of what guys might want, what teams might be able to offer. So, and, and that's no secret. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Those conversations uh, take place. Teams start their planning early. They're on the phone, they're meeting at the combine, all those things. So you're absolutely right. So let's, let's talk about the New York giants a little bit, obviously uh, new head coach, new general manager, just before we, before we dive, you know, straight into free agency and, and the Giants offseason, just your thoughts in general on Joe Shane, Brian Dable, on the beginnings of, of that regime in New York. Yeah, I think those moves made sense. I mean, you never know if they're going to work out. I felt like they were hopeless under the previous regime, both uh, with the GM and the head coach. And so now you're going in kind of a completely opposite direction you know Joe Shane comes from the Bills organization which really executed in my opinion one of the best rebuilds of the last 20-25 years the way they did that there what they inherited uh, GM Brandon Bean inherited and the way they uh, turned that around and are now you know a team that is going to be in the mix I think for the next several years and then Brian Dayball we'll see you know it's uh it's always tricky to know if a coordinator is going to be able to make that leap to head coach. They are certainly two different jobs, but just speaking to the job he did as a coordinator, he had an understanding of the modern NFL and what needs to take place to put yourself in position to succeed with the passing game, with passing on early downs, uh, with the variety they showed with their play calling, with being aggressive. And so I think those are all good things. When you just look at the found, now you need players. We, we know they need players and we'll get to that. But uh, just from a foundational perspective, um, I would think, you know, if you're a Giants fan, you'd be be excited to have uh, this type of change. And it's certainly going to be a lot different, I think, um, just in terms of their philosophy from the previous regime. Yeah, I, I'm stuck on the word hopeless that, that you used a minute ago, because I think Giants fans would 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 mean hopeless, but would use much stronger language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'm being, uh, yeah, maybe I should have gone a little stronger there. <laughs> no, 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 it's, this, is, this is a family podcast, so that's fine. <laughs> not, that, not that any podcast is actually a family podcast, but, uh, but we'll try to keep it clean. Anyway, let's talk about free agency. And, and, and as we record this, the Giants are still trying to, uh, to, to create some cap space. They've, they've cut Kyle Rudolph. They've cut Devonte Booker. They've cut Riley Dixon, none of which are incredibly surprising moves. We saw them restructure the, the contract of Sterling Shepard. Haven't seen the details on that new one year deal yet, but you know, let's, you know, the Shepard move was interesting to me, but I like it. I like, you know, bringing him back and giving him a year. I don't think the Giants were going to end up saving much money anyway after, after uh, you know, the dead money plus the injury protection, which I hadn't considered until uh, Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap, you know, mentioned it. So, so the Giants are, are going to get something out of Shepard at least. So I kind of like that move. 
Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, if you look at what the, you know, I just referenced the Bills and Brandon Bean, what they did when he took over there in Buffalo, it was kind of like this, you know, two, three pronged approach. And the first was clean up the cap situation. You know, it was a mess shed salary, do what you need to give yourself some flexibility. Uh, that was step number one. Step number two was to uh, obviously target a quarterback and they targeted uh, Josh Allen and moved up for him. And then number three was surround him with pieces so that he can succeed both with the offensive line and the pass catching weapons. Now those don't have to you know, happen in perfect sequence. And so if the giants want to get a good look at Daniel Jones and, and looks like that's what they're going to do here and just figure out, you know, that that's what 2022 will be about. Let's, let's see what we have with this quarterback. Let's make sure he's in position to succeed. Then a move like keeping Shepard makes sense. I mean, really, you know, their pass catching weapons are, Totally fine. I mean, you can get a good assessment uh, of the quarterback with those guys, you know, in the right scheme, they, they could be very good. They could surprise. There's certainly talented players there at wide receiver. So yeah, I think, you know, he's a reliable guy has had some injury issues, but uh, certainly someone who can help you evaluate your quarterback and uh, contribute to a successful offense. Yeah, ultimately, as we get ready for free agency and, and we're recording on, on Friday for this Monday show, uh, we don't know what the Giants are ultimately going to do with James Bradbury and Blake Martinez, uh, but something has to happen there, whether it's a restructure with Martinez or simply cutting ties with Blake. And with Bradbury, it has to be, they have to move on from Bradbury just with a 21 point something million dollar cap hit just we'll we'll look into your crystal crystal ball and and what do you think is going to happen with those two guys yeah i think bradbury you should be able to trade you know he is a you know cornerback is a premium position uh he is certainly a quality player you know an above average starter you know even if he's not at that kind of pro bowl uh level but he's someone who can go in uh for a lot of teams and be their number one cornerback uh for them. So uh, I think he should be able to be moved um, in terms of compensation. You know, Darius Slay got a third and a fifth in that Lions Eagles trade a couple of years ago. I would say Slay is probably thought of as a better player than Bradbury, but you know, it's not completely apples and oranges. So um, maybe a, you know, fourth round pick something like that for, uh, for Bradbury, I think could make sense uh, for a lot of contending teams, you know, teams like a team, I'm looking at a team just, thinking off the top of my head, like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they need cornerback help. They're not afraid to be aggressive. They're in that Super Bowl window. Um, so there would be other teams that I, I think would be interested, but a team like that uh, certainly could make sense. Speaking of the offseason and acquiring draft capital, the Giants have nine picks in the upcoming draft. If they're going to acquire draft capital, the approach that makes sense for me, especially considering that they have a quarterback question, they might have that question going into 2023. The approach that makes sense for me is to acquire draft capital for 2023, not necessarily for this year, because partially, how many rookies can you have? And secondly, they need to, in my view, they need to be able to move around a, a year from now if they need to. Just your thoughts on, on that approach, on that idea of if they're going to make moves, you know, make them with, with 2023 capital in mind. 
Yeah, it's a great point. This is what the Eagles did last year. I mean, if you think of what the, the situation the Eagles were in last offseason, it was, uh, you know, somewhat similar to the Giants. You know, they were starting with a new regime, as, at least at head coach. Uh, they were coming off a terrible season. They didn't have an answer at quarterback, although they had Jalen Hurts on the roster. And so they traded down in the first round, got a pick uh, for the following year, like you mentioned, where this offseason they have some flexibility to make moves. Now, they haven't made a move yet, and we don't know if they're going to make a move, but the flexibility is the key. And so I would totally agree with you. You know, if they can, if the Giants can accumulate draft picks for 2023, they need to be in position to give themselves options next offseason in terms of quarterback. Now, listen, if Daniel Jones plays well in 2022, he looks like a fit. Great outcome. You have those picks. You can do whatever you want with them in 2023. You can trade them for uh, players. You can pick players. You can do whatever you want. Uh, But if he's not the answer, then now all of a sudden you're ready to pounce on that next quarterback who might come free. It was Tom Brady two years ago. It was Matthew Stafford last offseason. It was Russell Wilson this offseason. Who's it going to be next off to Kyler Murray? I mean, who knows who it's going to be next offseason? And by the way, it doesn't necessarily need to mean trading for a veteran. It could just mean moving up in the first round or drafting somebody in the first round. I mean, that's the best way to go because you're getting the, the guy on a rookie contract and you can really build around him and you don't have to just kind of swing for the fences. So that flexibility is really important. Everyone knows if you don't have the star quarterback, you're probably not going to be in the mix and you're going to be in some type of uh, irrelevancy league wide. Everyone knows that I'm not breaking news by telling you that, but the question is, how do you do that? And I think uh, that draft capital, that flexibility is like the number one key for that. You know, Sheila, you did a piece recently at the athletic that I love 10 step guide for NFL teams to avoid a disastrous off season. And as we're talking, I'm scrolling through this piece and I'm thinking about free agency and I'm thinking about some of the rumors that have been connected to the Giants. And and, and I'm thinking about Mitchell Trubisky and this, in my view, insane idea that somebody is going to pay him $10 million and that maybe that team is the Giants. And I'm looking at one of your your, uh, points here, which is don't pay for competency at quarterback. Don't use significant resources for competency at quarterback. And when I look at that, first of all, I don't believe there's, there's a world where Mitchell Trubisky gets $10 million from the giants. And I don't believe he should get $10 million from the giants because that's, that's exactly what that sounds like to me is overpaying for competency at quarterback when that's basically what they already have. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, he must must have the best PR team uh, in America. I mean, I know, it, man. It, I, it, I want that. I want that PR team. Yeah, you know, you I'm, and me seriously. both. Uh, it, it's been unbelievable. I mean, the guy signs for two and a half million dollars last offseason. Uh, attempted what eight passes, and now all of a sudden uh, he's Joe Montana. It's it's really been a while to uh, look at. Now, now I would disagree slightly though with kind of you know that rule in Trubisky because you know to me 10 million dollars is I it's a lot to me and you it's a lot you know it's a lot to a lot of people but in terms of the quarterback market in the NFL like that's that's the low end for somebody who you think could be um, you know a bridge quarterback now I hear what you're saying it's kind of like well what's the point of it 
I generally don't have an issue if you're not giving up draft capital, if you're not paying somebody $25 million and you take a swing and you think he has some upside, uh, I don't have a huge issue with it. Now, I'm sort of with you. I mean, I don't see the upside with Mitchell Trubisky, and I don't know. Uh, I would not be that aggressive in going out and targeting him. But I think it would, you know, it, it would be a fine. I mean, Daniel Jones has had injury issues. And if you're saying, hey, let's take get a couple bites at the apple here, because even if you draft a quarterback in 2023, you might say, hey, that guy's not ready to play right away. We need a bridge starter. And so that could be Jones. That could be Trubisky. That could be somebody else. If you're paying $10 million and a guy is just like a competent uh, starter, that's actually great value. You know, that that's what I would advise a team like Washington who goes out and trades for Carson Wentz and gives up two picks and then is paying him $28 million. Guys, you could have just signed Teddy Bridgewater or, or somebody like that for probably $10 million. You wouldn't have had to give up picks and you're probably not going to you know, see that much difference in terms of on-field uh, performance. So uh, we'll see what Trubisky ends up getting and if this hype is actually real or not real. I mean, if you look at the backup quarterback market, it's usually around five or six million. If you look at those guys who teams feel like can you know, compete for a starting job, but aren't necessarily handed a starting job. Someone like Marcus Mariota a couple of years ago, I think that was around 8 million. Uh, So that's, you know, probably the neighborhood we're talking about with Trubisky, but who knows, maybe the hype is real and some team will just bring him in and pay and pay him big money. But uh, I'm sort of in, believe it when I see it mode. Yeah. The the connection to the giants because of Brian Dable, because of Joe Shane, the need for a backup, maybe a backup that can, that can push Jones a little bit. That all makes sense. It's just the price tag for me, considering the cap situation that the giants are in to pay, you know, $10 million, even $8 million that, that could probably bring them three players that they could, that, 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 they, that they could actually get on the field. That's what doesn't make sense to me simply because of the position that they're in. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, I'm in the mode of, if you see upside in a quarterback, take a swing because it's so hard and there aren't many avenues. Again, we probably we might disagree with Brian Dayball or Joe Shane or whoever's going to pay Trubisky about whether he has that upside uh, or not. But, you know, if the internally you believe it, then I would be OK with it. But I, I understand what you're saying, too. You know, you could side uh, two or three players and maybe they're younger. And maybe they contribute next year. And now in 2023, when you're looking to pounce on a quarterback, potentially you can say, hey, look at our roster. We filled these needs here. We upgraded the, I mean, the offensive line. We have, you know, whatever. We, we've upgraded the defense. These guys we signed last year. So um, I, I think both those kind of arguments w- would make sense. Yeah, and it's interesting. As I scroll through the 10-step uh, the, the post that I talked about a minute ago, I'm looking at at your last one on your list here. Don't overrate your ability to evaluate talent. And I don't know necessarily that it applies to the current Giants regime because we really haven't seen any of their decisions, draft picks, you know, big free agent signings, any of that. But I do think it applied probably to Dave Gettleman um, just because I, I, I thought that, that Dave you know, he left a lot of opportunities on the table to do things, to, to trade down, to add draft capital, to maybe use resources in a different way. And when you look at that particular point, do you, do you agree with me that, that maybe that applies to, to the Gettleman era with the Giants? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. You know, his the story he gave for drafting Daniel Jones re- related to the senior bowl, right, and what he saw uh, at a practice, like stuff like that. I mean, it really speaks to how you want volume in the draft. You want to take a lot of swings. You're not going to hit on all of them. I was just having a conversation with somebody recently about the Seahawks and John Schneider. Their drafts from 2010 to 2012, I mean, Russell Wilson, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, uh, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. Like, I mean, a handful of Hall of Famers in a three-year span. You would go, what, what secret does this man have to drafting where no one else could put together drafts like this? Well, you get a bigger sample, and now we're looking at the last three or four years, and we're going, oh, my gosh, they've got nobody. Their talent, their roster's depleted. Their talent is bad. They've missed all over the place. So there's a luck and a randomness to this. Uh, it's really hard. You're, you're projecting, you're, you're trying to figure out how is this guy going to look in our scheme? There's character stuff. There's work ethic stuff. How's he going to react once he's making a lot of money? Uh, there's injury stuff. There's durability stuff. You know, he, oh, he was a little banged up in college. Is that going to carry over to the NFL or is he going to be healthy? There's so many variables that anytime you're looking at it, like anytime you, you see someone say, this guy is a, you know, stone cold, you know, plug him in at uh, right guard for the next 10 years. No, that doesn't happen. Like, I mean, right. you might think that's going to happen, but slow down a little bit. That's one outcome. There are other outcomes where the guy's a complete bust. And so to have that kind of humility and uh, kind of acknowledge that uncertainty to me in terms of team building is really important. It really is about uh, getting a lot of uh, bites at the apple, maintaining flexibility, not getting locked into bad decisions. All those things are key to me when it comes to team building. And that is something Joe Shane has talked about a lot is getting more swings, especially with the Giants needing talent, needing low cost talent. You know, guys that that you'll have for three or four years, if you're right, maybe longer than that, if you're right about them. And it's another reason why I like the idea. I'm always a proponent of trading down in the draft whenever possible. We did an exercise at Big Blue View the other day because because Joe Shane said he wants to enter the draft. He's got picks five and seven. He wants to enter the draft with seven players, he's stone cold certain he would be happy to pick. And I tried to do that exercise with a couple of my guys at at Big Blue View. And if you take Aiden Hutchinson off the board, because he's going to go one or two, take Aiden Hutchinson off the board, so that's not realistic. I can't come up with more than five that I would say I would absolutely be happy with. So for me, Trading down with one of those two top picks has to be in play for the Giants. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I think there's a balance. I mean, they need some blue chip players. Uh, The roster's not good. And so um, it's kind of like you're you're walking that line of don't overthink it and take any deal. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if you can trade down at least one of those picks. I mean, I'd be open to both of those picks, get more shots in the first round, get some shots next year. I mean, it's not going to be, unless all of a sudden they transform Daniel Jones and he makes like a Josh Allen like leap, which, you know, maybe he will. I don't know. I don't, it's not the most likely outcome, but uh, maybe don't don't do uh, that to giants fans. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, you gotta be paid. Like you're going to need a couple of years here probably to uh, turn this thing around. And so as we just discussed with quarterback, accumulate that draft capital, uh, move back at least to one of those picks. If you need to Now the question is, 
other teams may look at it the same way you're looking at it and saying the, the strength of this draft, it might be in the middle of the first round, the end of the first round, the beginning of the second round. I mean, you hear draft analysts uh, say that I've been in kind of free agency mode, so I'm not, uh, I don't have like my, uh, my stone cold, uh, you know, draft takes just yet. I, I need a few weeks here uh, before I do that, but that's what you hear a lot of the analysts say. And so if that's the case, will there be a team that says we want to move up to one of those picks and give you uh, additional draft picks to take someone at five or seven? I mean, it takes two, but a lot of times, you know, you, you just kind of need one team to fall in love with a player and say, yeah, we're willing to go ahead and do that. One of the other things that I tell people all the time, and you hear GMs say it all the time, and it's in your 10-step guide, is use free agency to fill needs. Don't look at the draft to fill needs. And and everybody doing mock drafts, I just did uh, – my weekly mock draft tracker at big blue view. I think there's 45 mocks in that tracker. And I think only six of them have the giants not taking an offensive lineman with one of those first two picks. So it's an obvious need. And I would love to see the giants get a tackle somewhere in that, in that, you know, top 10, but that's the thing is you want to fill your roster with competent players in free agency that if I have a need at right guard, I want to know that I signed somebody who's a, at least a competent NFL starting right guard. Um, Look at the giants cap situation and, and, and you know how dire it is at this point. Do they have the ability to, to sign some useful players you think they will have the ability to sign some some useful players that they can plug in for at least a year yeah they're they're not in in great shape they're not going to be you know uh once the uh negotiating period opens you're not going to see the tweets that the giants you know sign somebody at the top of the market to 16 million dollars a year but sure i mean especially interior offensive linemen i mean those are guys you can get for two or $3 million a year. It's not going to be someone who's going to make the pro bowl. It might be someone who's making you throw your remote at times next year, but it's not, (laughs) it shouldn't be someone who's a complete liability. And so I think that's the key. You know, I'm just thinking in in my head, like somebody like a Mark Lewinsky of the Colts, you know, it's been probably an average starter. Another guy that, another guy that gets connected to the giants because of his background with the bills and, and all of that is John Feliciano, who just got released sure. by Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, oh, he did get released. Okay. He did get released by yet. Buffalo okay. a couple of days ago. So, yeah, I mean, and, and from everything that I know, he he remains an adequate starting player. Yes, he's not great in pass protection. Uh, he plays with kind of a nasty attitude that, old, you know, O-line coaches like. Like, he's a leader. Uh, he's going to defend his quarterback. All those things, he'll mix it up after the snap. So, all those things that appeal to, you know, the true football guys, the true O-line coaches, I think he does. Now, if you're just asking him to block uh, a very good defensive tackle one-on-one in pass pro, like, he might get smoked. I mean, that that's my uh, impression of Feliciano. But someone like that is fine. I mean, again, it's not going to be a pro bowler. It's going to be someone two, three million dollars uh a year it's someone who you know you sign somebody and then if you draft over them that's a great outcome i mean you can draft a guard and if you go to camp and your coaches are saying shoot this rookie is ready he is just so much better than we even thought 
that's a that's a great problem to have. Then you have some depth. You have a rookie who can play, and you can figure it out from there. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's not an either or thing. You want to be able to uh, on the Sunday before the draft. You want to be able to go out there and field a team where you can say, we're not going to be a complete disaster. Now, for some teams, that's just not going to be realistic. I mean, the Giants might fall into that category. You know, they, they like <laughs> if they had to play the Sunday before the draft and, you know, we revisit this conversation, then they're probably going to have some issues. So that's what you shoot for. Um that way, you're not going into the draft saying, you know, we have to get a right guard uh, in the first two rounds because if we don't, we've got nothing next year, uh, that kind of thing. Now, you could wait also. I mean, especially, again, interior offensive linemen, you can see how the draft plays out. You can see what moves are made. You can probably find a guy in August who's going to be, again, okay, below average starter. That's kind of what you're shooting for, but someone who's not going to just completely kill you. You know, I know that you said you're not really – ready to talk draft, but I just want to throw out a draft philosophy question as kind of the last thing we talk about. People send me their mock drafts all the time, or they send me their mock draft philosophies, and they'll say, oh, we have to take an offensive tackle at five. We have to take a cornerback at seven. We have to take an edge rusher in the second round. We have to take a linebacker in the third round. You know, we have to take position X you know, in this round. And I tell people all the time, that's not how it works. That's how you have disastrous drafts when you're convinced that I must take position A in round one and position B in round two and and on and on, because then you're not taking the best players. You're taking whatever's left at the position that you're picking. And that's just not how you have success in the draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, for the most part, you know, GMs love to talk about how they don't draft for need. It's not totally true. You know, like if say the chiefs loved a tight end or a quarterback in the first round, it was the top guy on their board. Are they going to draft them? No, of course not. I mean, that would be a ridiculous oh. use of resources. You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey. So there are those situations where I get it. You know, if you just signed a guy to a huge contract who plays a certain position or you have an all pro there who's durable and is under contract for three years, then, you know, that position should not be at the top of your board. But in general, you're right, because your needs now might not be your needs next year. I mean, a lot changes in a year in the NFL. And so uh, it does, you know, it is smart to kind of just look at it, especially a team like the giants. I mean, they, you know, they, they should just be drafting the best players. Now I would, I do believe in premium positions and if it's close, yeah. And you can get the left tackle or the quarterback or the cornerback or, you know, whatever you think internally are the premium positions versus a running back or maybe an off ball linebacker who, man, you love him against the run, but you're not sure on third down, if he's going to be able to match up with a tight end. Well, you know, I, I would not go in that direction or even like a, you know, there might be a nose tackle who just like dominant on early downs. I mean, just totally crushes the run game, but on third down, is he going to give you some pass rush? No, like that's what you have to decide internally. And a lot of it depends on what scheme you're playing uh, and those different types of things. But um, yeah, if it's, if it's close and you want to go with the premium position, that's fine. But overall do not reach for position. Cause you're right. I mean, most GMs will say that's how we made our biggest mistakes is, is by reaching. Right. I, I always tell people that, that in reality, there's, there's no such thing as a true best player available because right. there are 32 teams with 32 different draft boards 
who have 32 different schemes and sets of needs, needs, how you play. You, you may set your board and say, you know, this is the best player at position X, but, but, but it's all affected by how you play and what you perceive your needs to be. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be different. I mean, there are teams, for example, who might play a lot with two high safeties and they might say, Hey, Sheila, you know, we heard you say uh, that nose tackle is not important, but we need that guy to be like, uh, you know, a two gapping uh, run stuffer. And if he doesn't do that, our whole structure of our defense falls apart. So you're wrong about that. That is an important position. Whereas another team might say we're a single high safety team. And yeah, no, we would never just spend it. We're only spending on defensive tackles who can rush the passer. So that's just one example. There are a hundred different examples. Are you a run first team? Are you a, um, are you a pass heavy team? I mean, there's all these things we can uh, get into. Do you want to play 11 personnel with three wide receivers at a time or do you want to play more do you play with the fullback do you play with multiple tight ends so those are all conversations that teams have to figure out uh and then decide what direction they want to go in all right hey she'll appreciate your time as always and maybe uh we get closer to the draft if you you get a little caught up on uh, on studying some of these players maybe we'll, we'll chat again why don't you uh, let folks know uh, where they can find your work what you've got going on at the athletic Sure. Yeah. At the athletic it's free agency frenzy. I've made uh, predictions for every team who they're going to sign. I've got a top 150 uh, free agents. I've got um, ranked, uh, you know, by position uh, 10 at each position. And then as things uh, get kicked off here, we'll be evaluating every single big move uh, that happens in free agency trades, all those things. So if you don't subscribe, uh, just click on one of my articles and you'll probably get a promo for a really sweet deal. I don't know if it's still a dollar a month or what, uh, but you can just kind of check it out for a little bit um, and uh, we'll go from there. It should be, uh, I'd love the off season, uh, the, the wild trades, the free agency frenzy. I love this stuff. So the next couple months here should be really fun. I don't know about your friends and family shield, but I get asked all the time in covering the NFL. What do you do? at the end of the season when the games are over, <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's I when it still starts. Work, I still work 12 hour days and I'm still here and there's still more to do than I can get to. And people don't yeah. understand that it's 365 days a year. Yeah. Luckily it's fun and we enjoy it. So we can't complain, but yes, there's plenty to do. No doubt about it. All right. Hey, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you again. Okay. Thanks for having me. And that's our show for today, Giants fans. Please stay with Big Blue View throughout free agency. We'll have all the news, rumors, analysis, opinion, everything that you need uh, to, to stay up to date with what's going on with your New York Giants. As always, Giants fans, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio and all of your favorite podcast applications. My show here, the Valentine's Views Podcasts, The show's done by Joe DeLeon, Chris Flum, and Nick Filato. So, uh, you know, please check those out if you haven't done so already. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Giants fans, thank you as always. Please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA. 
the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. Claude3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.